Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hey, Southside, great to see you today. We are wrapping up this series called It's Not Over, which means it's about to be over. But nevertheless, that's where we're at. Man, I'm so thankful you're here being a part of this day with us and uh, just accomplishing um, what we hope is, is, is something significant in your life. We want to see God help you develop a real relationship with Him, something that is with you everywhere you go, every step of the way, every difficult, painful, uh, joyful, exuberant moment in your life. We want, we want Christ to be real in you, and we want you to see that and make, make that apparent in the world in which we live because ultimately we want to make it real easy to go to heaven from right here where we are today. And you're helping make that helping make that a reality and become possible. So thank you so much. Today, today we're we're kind of living in the aftermath of Easter and uh, living in the aftermath of the resurrection. But sadly, I think that 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 day and uh, just the event of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus is just a it's just something a blip on our radar on our screen. It just becomes something that we do once a year and we think about on that weekend. Because I'll tell you, man, the place gets pumped on Easter. Everybody's excited and everybody's shouting, we're celebrating Jesus is alive. But you know what? He's still alive. <laughs> the grave is still empty. You know, Jesus is still uh, reigning today and he is still the savior of the world. And so uh, the, the resurrection is more than just an event. But if the resurrection is just an event that you look back on once a year, I believe that you and I will never have find the power that we need to live in it. Because Jesus, I know, it's not something that we should just look back on. I mean, we need to remember it. We need to celebrate it. But how do we live in it? How do we put take the resurrection that is behind us and put it out in front of us and learn how to live in it? How? I don't know about you, but but I mean, I do these all, all the time. I'm putting these things together every week, and I'm sharing these things. And it's just the other day, I was just like, Lord, because because it just it, it happens to me too. I said, God. How do I take what I'm preaching to other people and live it in my life, my own life? I don't want to, I don't want this to just be something I say to you. And I don't. I want it to be something that I live out daily. I want to live with the joy of the Lord being my strength, with the resurrection of Jesus in front of me, pressing toward that, living in that, celebrating in that all the time. One of the last, the, the, the very last thing that Jesus says when he's on the cross, he cries out with a loud voice. He says, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. And saying this, he breathed his last. I mean, how do I get to this place where, where how do we get to this place where every day we live, we're saying, Father, into your hands, I entrust my spirit. God, into your hands, I entrust my life. God, into your hands, I place myself so that you can do with me as you choose. Because I don't want the resurrection to be something that I look back on. I want it to be something that I keep ahead of me because when you get the resurrection out in front of you instead of behind you, that's when you find the power to truly live to find the power to truly live life. So I want to ask you a question. Has your faith changed the way you live? Has your faith resulted in a changed life? 
How can you and I live with the resurrection out in front of us rather than behind us and something that we look back on once a year and celebrate? How do we make it a daily, active, vibrant, powerful, overcoming, and victorious part of our everyday life? And so today we need to know that the resurrection of Jesus Christ declares it's never over. It's never over today. And so this is what we're going to see. Today, the resurrection doesn't shelter us from pain. The resurrection of Jesus Christ does not mean that pain and problems and trials and tribulations, difficulty and, and, and discouragement's not going to come. It, it is. And the resurrection doesn't shelter us from that. And, and to kind of see this, we're going to go back before the resurrection to a story in John chapter 11, the story of Lazarus. And it begins like this. John chapter 11, now a man was sick, Lazarus was his name, from a place called Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. And so Lazarus is their brother. And so there's three of them living in the village of Bethany, and it's Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And you might know Mary and Martha from another story in the Gospels where they were having a party that Jesus was there, and Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus, and Martha was serving and was angry and mad at her sister. She's like, Lord, can't you tell my sister to get up and help me? Because I'm like just going ragged right here. And he's like, Martha, you got to calm down. Martha, Martha, you're worried about too many things. Mary has chosen the better, better thing, at which point St imagination, Martha breathed this sigh and walked away, stormed away angry, all right? That's kind of the way we see this story go down. But here, now their brother is sick, and we know that it's in the same place where Mary and Martha live. And Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, and it was her brother Lazarus who was sick. Well, who was Martha? Martha was the one, it doesn't say this, that got ticked off and walked away angry, okay? It's just good we focus more on Mary there than Martha. So nevertheless, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick, Okay. And, and so they come to, the messenger comes to Jesus, and this is the way they did it. They didn't have text messaging back then. They would write a message or they would convey a message to a messenger who then would carry that message either by hand or he would remember it and run to meet that person and deliver that message. And then he would take whatever that person said and carry it back. That's just the way they did it. And so they sent a messenger that said, Lord, the one you love is sick. And when Jesus heard it, he said, this sickness will not end in death, but it is for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Okay, that's his message back to them. They send back, they send to him, Lord, the one you love is sick. You love Lazarus, is Mary Martha sending this to you? You know, Mary, the one that sat at your feet, that wiped your feet with your, you know, with her hair and anointed you. And, you know, Martha, she was a little, a little angry and upset with you. But you know, us, we love you. And Jesus sends back, this sickness will not end in death, but it's for the glory of God so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. So the messenger's like, oh, got it, got it. Okay, got it, boom, he's gone, okay? And then, then this is just kind of a random verse, but I love this verse. It says, now Jesus loved Martha, her sister, and Lazarus. I love that he said Martha and didn't name Mary and Lazarus. But, but I love the statement. Now Jesus loved them. They didn't need verse 5. Why did John put verse 5 in there? 
Because John is all about conveying to you and me that God loved the world so much that he gave himself for you, for them. And Jesus, and Jesus, he loved Martha, her sister, and Mary. And so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. That, 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 I mean, I'm like, why is that there? I mean, <laughs> why, why, why stay there? I mean, you've got a guy that's sick that you love. His sisters are sending you an urgent message. You send back. His sickness is not going to end in death. It's there for the glory of God so that God can be glorified. And then you wait two days in the place where he was. All right? So the message was urgent to them, but it wasn't as urgent to Jesus. Because Jesus, we learn, is that he's doing something a little different because he wanted God to be glorified. The sickness was an opportunity to glorify the Father. Here's what we see in that. God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it, and that is okay. See, the resurrection doesn't doesn't mean that it's over. The resurrection means it's never over, but the resurrection doesn't shelter you and me from pain. And here's just the facts. And it's probably good to understand this and know this. Even though sometimes we get lost in this and we don't remember it, God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And that's his business, and that's okay, okay? So the resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain. Number two, the resurrection can fill you with promise. The resurrection, even though it doesn't shelter you with pain, it can fill you with promise. Another word for that is hope. It can fill you with hope, but hope is not a P word, and it needs to go along with pain, pain and promise, all right? So so the resurrection can fill you with promise, but we've got a book here of promises, and we've got a song we learned as a kid, I am a promise. I am a possibility. I am a promise with a capital P. I'm I'm a great big bundle of potentiality. I mean, there it is. P words everywhere, man. It's great. The resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain, but it can fill you with promise. And this is what happens. The disciples come to him, and they're talking to Jesus, and they're like, you know, Lazarus is sick. We, why, why, why don't we go to him? I mean, why are you? And, and Jesus is like, look, I'm, I'm going to go to him. We're going to go back to that area. And the disciples are like, wait a second, hold on just a minute. Don't you know, like, the Jews are looking to kill you. The Pharisees want you dead. And, 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 and if he's just asleep, that's what Jesus tells him. He says he's just sleeping, and, and, but he means he's dead. He's died. He's gone. And the disciples are like, if he's asleep, somebody else can wake him up. We ain't got to go over there, Okay. But Jesus said, you don't understand, Lazarus is dead. And this has happened so that God could be glorified. And so we're going back to that region. And one of the disciples looks at him and says to the rest of them, well, great, I guess we'll go back with him so we can die too. All right? And so that's kind of the mentality they're going with. Jesus is going with a purpose. They're going with reluctance, okay? Why? Because the resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain, all right? But the resurrection can fill you with promise, And so this is what we see when he arrives in Bethany. Then Jesus arrived. He found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days, all right? So Jesus waited two days, and then he waited two more days, and now he comes. And now Lazarus is dead. He's died. They've already buried him, and he's been in the tomb for four days. Why wait? 
Why am I waiting? Why didn't, why, why, why didn't he go immediately? Why didn't he do these things? Because God can do whatever he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. And you know what? That's okay. Because he may have something greater in mind for you, for them, for everybody else involved. And so Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And it says, many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. And as soon as Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary remained seated in the house. I don't know. That's just kind of significant to me because Martha was the one that got angry the time before, and Mary was the one that was sitting at Jesus' feet. Now it seems like it's reversed. Now Martha's the one running to Jesus, and Mary is the one sitting at home, maybe sanctified imagination, saying, hey, you weren't there for me when I needed you. And so I'm not coming. If he wants to see me, he can come here. Okay? Maybe that's not it. Maybe that happened. Sanctified imagination. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't think this is angry. I think she's just declaring, Lord, if you would have been here, If you would have come when you got the message, I don't know what held you up, but for whatever reason, I believe if you were here, my brother would still be alive. You know, yet now, even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. She said, but even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give it to you. She's just, she is throwing herself on Jesus. She is casting her pain, her hurt, her problems, her hope, her promise, all on Jesus. She's like, God, I know I need you. I'm hurting. I have pain. See, the resurrection declares it's never over. And so here in this moment, her brother's gone. Her and her, she and her sister are hurting, but Jesus is there. He is in, he is present. He is in the moment. And then Jesus says this to her. He says, your brother will rise again. And so here's the promise, okay? Here's the promise. Martha said, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Okay, the, tr- the, the conversation that they have going on here, a lot of it is just based around what they know, what they've been taught, the promises that they have. You know what Martha's saying? I know my brother's alive. I know he's in heaven. I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. She's just stating what she knows. Her faith, it is coming out, all right? It's like going to a funeral home and seeing a family and telling them they're in a better place. Friend, they're not in a better place. If they went to heaven because they know Jesus, that's not a better place. It's the best place. And, and so, so that's, but, but we just say these kind of things. It's, some things are biblical, some are not, but we're trying to encourage people. We're trying to give them hope. We're trying to give peace of mind to ourselves. See, the resurrection declares it's never over, but the resurrection can't shelter us from pain. But the resurrection can fill you with promise. And that's what we see here. Jesus wanted these women to live by faith not by sight. Look at what he says next. He says, he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me, even if he dies, will live. Now, if you know the story of Lazarus, we kind of know what's coming and what's going down. All right, just spoiler alert, he's going to get up. Okay, And we know that. We, maybe if you read the Bible story, you know this in the past. Lazarus gets up. Okay, Mary doesn't know that. Martha doesn't know that. No one else there knows that. The disciples don't know that. Nobody knows that. Jesus knows that, 
because God's already given it to him. He's already revealed it to him. He already knew when the messenger came. This is going to have this happened so that God could be glorified. And here he tells her, "Hey, your brother's going to live again." I know why. It's a promise. It's a promise, and she is leaning on that promise in times of death and times of hurt and times of pain. We need promises that we can live on. Why? Because of moments like this. But Jesus is going to do something greater in this moment, and he's trying to get her to understand. He said. I am, a reference to God, the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. John eleven twenty five. 25, do not miss that today. Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And if you believe in him, even if you die, friend, you will live. Everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? That's what he asked Martha. What does she say? Yes, Lord. She takes it a step further. She said, I believe you are the Messiah, the Son of God who comes into the world. See, this is what we learned in this story. God's promises always outlast our problems. See, the resurrection declares it's never over. The resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain, but the resurrection can fill you with promise. You know why? Because God's promises always outlast our problems. (laughs) This book is full of promises, promises from God for you. That's why we read them. Not so that we can read them and write them off or read them one time and say, well, that was all good and all, but, but, but what does that mean for my life? They exist for you to have on a daily basis. Why? Because God's promises, they always outlast our problems. Then we see this. The resurrection declares it's never over. The resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain. The resurrection can fill you with promise. And the resurrection is a constant reminder that God's power is always available to you. His power is always available to you. It's always here. It's ready. Why? How do I know that? Because he's the resurrection and the life. It says when Mary, he calls for Mary. He didn't go see Mary. He said, call your sister. Martha calls for her. And when she heard that Jesus was calling for her, she came. And when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and she told him, Here it is. She knows. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. That's the faith that they had in Jesus. That's where they were in their life. They are so stricken with grief and and hurt and pain, but they knew if Jesus had just been there, that's why they sent for the messenger to tell him. They wanted him to come, but he didn't come when I wanted him to come. And because he didn't come and my brother died, he came and he was four days late and I'm going to sit in this house and if he wants to see me, he can come to me. Sound familiar? And now Mary gets to run to this place and say the words she wanted to say. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. Jesus said, where have you put him? They said, come and see. And with that in verse 35, it says Jesus wept. 
You ever want to say you've memorized a verse in the Bible? John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's the shortest verse. But some of them that were with them, this is what they said. Couldn't he who opened the blind man's eyes also have kept this man from dying? Yes. And then Jesus, angry in himself again. Why was he angry? He's angry at death. He's angry at hurt. He's angry at pain. He's angry at what sin and the devil has done to the world. It was not designed to be this way. You and I were designed to live in perfection, in complete harmony and relationship with God. But the devil and sin and our own nature destroyed that. And because of that, death came into the world. That's where death came from. Why do people die? Because of that. It's not God's fault. But look, they, they, they treat God the same way. They are treating God the same way you and I do. God, if you would have been here, God, can't you? I mean, look, this book says you opened blind people's eyes. This even said you raised dead people back to life. But God, you didn't heal my family member. God, you didn't keep me from getting fired. God, you didn't keep me from getting hurt. God, you didn't keep this pain from happening in my life. Friend, the resurrection doesn't shelter you from pain. But the resurrection can fill you with promise. The resurrection is a constant reminder God's power is available to you. And when they got to the stone, to the grave, Jesus said, remove the stone. Martha, Martha, the dead man's sister, told him, said, Lord, hold on a minute. Wait a minute. Hold on. Don't move that rock. Hold on a minute. Lord, he's been in there for four days. He stinks. Jesus said, didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? At which point, Martha's kind of rethinking her statements to Jesus. She's like, I don't know. He kind of, I don't know what I'm about to get. <laughs> Lord, we're just kidding. He's our brother. We're just we fine without him. Didn't I tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? I'm just, let's take those words into your pain today into your place, into your hurt. You, didn't I tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't know how God can be glorified through this. Well, see, it's not about you determining that. It's about Him showing you that. God can do whatever He wants to do whenever He wants to do it, and that's okay. You know why? Because He's God. So they removed the stone, and then Jesus raised his eyes and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd standing here, I say this so that they may believe that you sent me. He said this for them, not for him. And then after he said this, he shouted with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Why didn't he just say come out? Because if he hadn't called Lazarus, everybody would have come out. <laughs> if he just said come out, it would have been everybody getting up. Lazarus, 
come out. This is where it gets freaky. The dead man came out bound hand and foot with linen strips and with his face wrapped in a cloth. Translation, oh, oh, oh. That's the way he comes. He's coming out. Everybody's like, ah! Jesus said, loose him and let him go. Now, let's think about this story for a second. I mean, Mary and Martha, can you imagine Mary and Martha in this moment? Can you imagine the Jews and the other people that are gathered around seeing this? Talk about astonishment. Talk about joy. Talk about uh, just unbelief, bewilderment. But, But let's think about Lazarus for a second. Can you imagine being Lazarus? You've been in heaven for four days. Four days, perfection. You have been in the presence of God for four days. I mean, who knows? Hanging out with Moses, maybe. I don't know who he's hanging out with. Maybe Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, him and Daniel. No, David's telling them about the giant and all of this stuff. And then all of a sudden, the Lord comes to you and says, maybe it was Gabriel. Maybe Gabriel, the archangel, came and said, hey, Lazarus, uh, the Lord needs you. Oh, yeah, I'm coming. You know, the Lord says, Lazarus, I need, I've got an assignment for you. Sure, I'm in. I need you to go back. Back to where? Back to your sisters. Lord, they all right. They good. They don't need me. I'm good. I don't have to go back. You know, I'm fine. I like it right here. So the Lord sends it back. We, 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 we pray more to keep people here than we do to get them into heaven. We pray more to keep them out of heaven than we do to get them into heaven. And then when they go to heaven, they don't want to come back. But here's Lazarus. Loose him and let him go. There's something powerful about the presence of God in our life. What happens when we positively respond to the Word of God and the Spirit of God. See, when I'm sick, I want a doctor, not a medical book. When I've got legal trouble, I want a lawyer, not a law book. You know, when I face trouble, trials, difficulties, when I face the enemy of my soul, I need a Savior, not a rule book. I need the one who gave his life for me and then picked it back up again. Who wants me to live not with the resurrection as an afterthought behind me, but as though it is powerful and alive and living in front of me. I want to hear the word of I want to hear the words of my Savior. Loose him and let him go. Loose her. And let her go. The resurrection declares that it's never over. The resurrection doesn't shelter you with pain from pain, but it can fill you with promise. But more than that, the resurrection is a constant reminder that God's power is always available to you. So wherever Jesus is, God's resurrection power is available. 
You see, dead people and living people don't engage in the same activities. They don't, in the same way, when you've been made alive in Christ, you begin to live differently. Dead people and live people, they don't, they don't engage in the same things. When Jesus makes you alive in Him, you live different lives. So today, stop taking naps in your coffin. Start living the life that God saved you to live. It's time to get up. It's time to let Jesus call out your name and say, Loose him. Looser. Let him go. Would you bow your head and close your eyes for a minute? So I don't know what's going on in your world today. I don't know what you're struggling with. Whatever is going on in and around your life, I promise you, the resurrection of Jesus Christ still has meaning in your life today. He wants to fill you with promise, but He is offering the power to help you where you are today. But you have to believe in Him. You have to call out to Him. You have to give it to Him today. If you want to do that, I'm going to tell you, it begins with a relationship with Jesus. It begins with you saying yes to Him, asking Him to forgive you of your sin. Come and be your Savior. Pray that to Him today. Say, Jesus, forgive me for my sin by your grace. Restore me to you. Jesus, be the Savior and Lord of my life. I'm ready to follow you, and I say yes to you today. Say that to him. Pray that to him. Ask him to do that. If you, if you do, if you pray that, at the, end of this, at the end of this broadcast, at the end of this, there's a slide. It's going to give you a way to get in touch with us. But if you have done that and you're still struggling and you need somebody, you need a church, you need somebody to talk to, take that message and let us know. Send us a note and ask for help. Let us reach out to you and help you find the power of God to live free in this life. Quit taking naps in your coffin. (laughs) Get up, get out, and go live the way God wants you to live today. God bless you. Have a great day. you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the GIVE tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the GIVE section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.